Welcome to The Journey, an online commentary on today's scripture reading with Seth Davidson. Today's reading is from Acts chapter 23, verses 12 through 24. The next morning, a group of Jews got together and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 of them in the conspiracy. They went to the leading priests and elders and told them, We have bound ourselves with an oath to eat nothing until we have killed Paul. So you and the high council should ask the commander to bring Paul back to the council again. Pretend you want to examine his case more fully. We will kill him on the way. But Paul's nephew, his sister's son, heard of their plan and went to the fortress and told Paul. Paul called for one of the Roman officers and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something important to tell him. So the officer did, explaining, Paul the prisoner called me over and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took his hand, led him aside, and asked, What is it you want to tell me? Paul's nephew told him, Some Jews are going to ask you to bring Paul before the high council tomorrow, pretending they want to get some more information. But don't do it. They are more than 40 men hiding along the way, ready to ambush him. They have vowed not to eat or drink anything until they have killed him. They are ready now, just waiting for your consent. Don't let anyone know you told me this. The commander warned the young man. Then the commander called two of his officers and ordered, Get 200 soldiers ready to leave for Caesarea at 9 o'clock tonight. Also take 200 spearmen and 70 mounted troops. Provide houses for Paul to, horses for Paul to ride and get him safely to Governor Felix. Well, my son Drew is 10 and he is just an avid sports fanatic. He's currently playing baseball and has a buddy that's playing on this very competitive team. And so Drew and I went to see Landon's game on Saturday. Uh, had a great time there. Drew was part of that particular club, so he knows the coach and the boys. And we just enjoyed watching some great baseball from some uh, fourth going to be fifth graders. But there was a particularly bad call. And if you've been around Little League, you know that unfortunately sometimes uh, the, the crowd, the adults, the parents get in and they're yelling things back and forth. And this was one of those things. There was a bad call. Uh, a, a player was called safe at home, one of our players, and then it was overruled by the other ump and uh, coaches and people on both sides. And, and they wound up tying the game because of that play and missing out on going to the next rounds today because they failed to score one run. If they would have scored one more run, they won, run, they would have made it into the tournament. Well, we were frustrated. I, I was frustrated. Drew was very frustrated. And in the car on the way out, he said, I'm so mad. That was BS. Now, he didn't say the abbreviated BS as I just did. He, he said the full word. Now, I know that Drew knows that's not a good word. I don't know that he knew it was a swear word, but it, it captured what he felt like that call was. Well, where did he hear that word? Well, he heard it from the fans, from the adults, from the parents. I remember being there when a person three or four uh, chairs away from me yelled that out at the umps. And I just thought, oh man, our kids 
are listening. And, and we know this, right? We know that our kids pay attention. We know that they catch on to things. We know that they're astute, that there's a lot going on in their heads. So why are we not more careful? Why am I not more careful with what I say, how I say it, when I say it, when there are little ears around? Now, fortunately, I've not said that in his presence, but Drew overheard that. Well, in this passage, we have a young boy who overhears this elaborate conspiracy to have Paul executed. Think about just how elaborate that conspiracy was. There are 40 men. They've vowed not to eat or drink. They go to the Sanhedrin. They get the ear of the leaders so that they send a message so that in that message, Paul might travel from the safety of his barracks back to the Sanhedrin where they're waiting and they've meticulously figured out the best place to ambush so that they can kill Paul because they're that opposed to his life and message. Turns out they just weren't careful enough as they were having these veiled conversations that there was at least one child present. And imagine you're this child and, and then you happen to be the nephew. They're talking about your uncle. Well, how disturbing would that be that there are adults who talk this way and act this way and they claim to be faithful followers of the God in whom you believe and they're speaking about your family. One thing we can see in this text is that God is sovereign and he'll use anything and anyone to help accomplish his plans, including Paul's nephew, his sister's son, who happens to overhear what's happening. And so fortunately, that young boy goes to Paul and then goes uh, to the commander. And then uh, as Paul leaves, he has much more, he has 200 some, uh, let's see, 200 soldiers and 70 mounted troops escort him. They, these 40 thugs are no match, so it all works out. And the point isn't so much in this passage how we need to be careful what we say around children. Um, the point is God is sovereign. He'll do whatever he wants to do and he'll use anyone. But I think we can take and apply that the children around us, they're listening, they're paying attention. They learn what it's like to speak and to live by the adults in their lives. For those of us who are parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles, who we are really matters. Our children are really paying attention. What we say really matters. And those who are called to care for our family and extended family, we're going to mess up sometimes, of course we are, but can we be cautious? Can we, can we understand that there are young ears present? And when we're at Little League games or we're out in public or we're at a party or wherever we are, if there are kids around, can we understand that our words matter and that what we do matter and 
what we consume matters. All of those things are important. Maybe, maybe it's not our kids. Maybe it's the kids around us. <laughs> They're listening. They're hearing. They may be frustrated about certain things that we're frustrated about. And they're learning that when one's frustrated, it's okay to use that language to yell at umpires who are making probably not much more than minimum wage so that there could be a pastime for kids to have fun. Our words matter. Our children are listening. They're learning from us. So what do you say? How do you say it? When do you say it? How are you speaking life and love at all times and all ways? Because the reality is no one set out that day to say, how can I use language that wouldn't be appropriate to children today? No, it became an overflow <laughs> of likely language that often happens, perhaps around the home and elsewhere. Our children are listening. What we say matters. And so what are you saying? How are you saying it? What are you saying in private or in adult conversations over and over um, that might be spilling out around you? May this come as a challenge, but also an encouragement to you today because it's equally true that when we're speaking love or life, uh, when we're speaking things of God, when we're uh, learning to control our anger and frustration when we're saying I'm sorry, when they're also learning the positives from us as well. Again, may this come as encouragement and a challenge.